You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible once again at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I think if you have a physical book, it's just falling apart, falling open in that position. We've been having a look at the last number of weeks on the power of praying in tongues, the power of praying in the Holy Spirit. And so we have been given this precious, precious ability by God to be able to speak heaven's language here in the earth and express His divine will and purpose in our lives. And when we are first born again and we are exposed to tongues, I know that sometimes because of other traditional uh, religious tradition or through maybe something we read or just generally our own human fears of things unknown, sometimes people are a little cautious around tongues and, and it seems to be a controversial subject and people are nervous about talking about it. But here's one thing I've made a decision when it comes to God's word, once he has spoken, I'm not nervous anymore. When he has said something, I stand on his truth. I choose to believe him. It's like my pastor Theo always said, let's act like the Bible's true. Because it is. And so if I see it in the word, even if my life doesn't seem to express that or, or reflect it, or I don't see it, maybe it's something different to the way I believe that's going to take a big change of the way I think or act. I'm still going to go with God's word. Even when he says something and something looks contradictory in my life, I don't choose my life and then get the word to try and line up with it. No, I choose the word of God every time. People might say, yeah, but if that is true, then what about this in your life? I don't look at the what about ifs. If it's in the Bible, it is true. There's no if it's true. It is true. It is the word. And so when we come to study whatever we study, as we more time we spend in it, the more we renew our mindset. Even when we know, like some of us may be saved for many years and we already are fluent in it and we don't have issues with it anymore and we trust God. And I'm talking about any subject that we might study. Why do we study it again? Well, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I always need more faith in that area. Secondly, I also stir myself up. How many of you have ever been in a meeting or a message where the pastor talks on something and, and it's something you know and you can amen to and you know the scriptures, but then you go, you know what? I need to be spending more time in that. I need to be doing that. It renews your faith in that area. It takes us from just, again, religious, traditional ritual. I don't want anything in my Christian life to just become ritual. I don't want to do anything. That's just what Christians do. I don't do anything. Well, it's Sunday. We must do it again. No, I want to know why I'm doing it. Have purpose behind it. If we understand that, we can move forward and be far more powerful in something than we would have through ritual. You're getting what I'm saying? So, once again, when we talk about speaking in tongues, what are we talking about? We understand that there are different types of tongues. Even when the Word talks about the gifts of different types of tongues, that's where you got the different methods of God speaking, like we saw in the book of Acts, where people heard them speaking in their language. But that means everybody that was there was hearing in a different language. So, that means the speaker was speaking one language, but others were hearing in their language. Then there's another, we've studied these in detail, I'm just going through it very quickly, is that there are people, that, that sometimes when the gift moves, when they speak, they will speak in a foreign language, but the hearer 
is hearing them in that foreign language. In other words, uh, for example, I don't know, uh, you know, pick a language, Russian. I don't know Russian, any words in Russian. And so if someone here in Russia, and all of a sudden, I, and it was only a Russian audience, and I suddenly got up, I could suddenly speak in Russian without even realizing it. That's another form of the gift that has manifested. Then, of course, there's the tongues when you speak in tongues and no one understands it, but there's an interpretation. So that falls into the realm of the same as the gift of prophecy. But and then, of course, we're talking about another form of tongues. Now, the reason I'm saying this again is because we don't want to read when as you study the word of god we don't want to fall into a ditch where you think all tongues is the same and that's very often what happens is people will say but if you believe in speaking in tongues then what about this scripture and if you understand what i've just described now that there are different types of tongues then you can discern what is the word saying at that moment which category does it fall into and at the moment we're talking about our heavenly prayer language which is different to everything I've just described. And yet the same because it's still the heavenly language. And it's, yeah, we see in cha chapter 14, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. That's our prayer language. So this, notice it says, no one understands. So you understand that this type of tongues that Paul's mentioning here is not the one that happened in Acts 2. Because in Acts 2, they understood what they were saying. They could hear them in their language. So this, right away, you can see it's not the same. Yeah, it says no one understands. So it doesn't matter what language was in the room, no one would have understood what this person said. So at that moment, even the person that has the ability that where God may release a gift of interpretation, even the person would, that's, would, be, would have normally have interpreted had we been prophesying in tongues, even that person doesn't understand what's been said. No one. This is not even tongues and interpretation. So if no one understands, then what's the point of the tongues? And he says yeah, because you're speaking to God. That's your prayer language. So yeah, we have tongues where you speak to God. And however, what's happening as you are speaking, you are speaking mysteries. Mysteries. Now, we all know what a mystery is. It's a mystery because we don't know what's going on. And so this is God's secret plans. God's, God's mind. God's will. That's being expressed. And so we start having a look at what are the reasons I would want to pray this way. What are the reasons? Because you say, well, that's nice. Well, you know, I can do it now and then. But if we understand the reason, as the more we study it, the more I see the reasons. This is what exposed me when I found out why we pray in tongues. I wanted it. I was a person who said, no, I'm not for it. Because I was raised in a church that, that spoke against it. And so I understand where that, can, that, that kind of resistance can come from. But when it was explained to me the reason for it, then I said, I want it. Hallelujah. And so a number of reasons for praying the Spirit. We've already had a look at these. As I say, we're already on a, what's it, part five or six today? I lost count. What is it? Five. Part five today uh, is that, uh, we, we've been through a lot of scripture, a lot of detail is catch up. 
is what I'm saying. There's a lot of other material to listen to. And if you still need the doctrinal foundation for praying in tongues, I've already given that in the first few parts. And now we're looking at the reasons. Number one, we've already had a look at is that God can arrange deliverance, protection, or provision for you or for someone else that you pray for. So sometimes you may all of a sudden experience a sense of fear, a sense of loss. And if we as Christians don't know why that happens, we may fall into dread. Remember Paul told Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And sometimes we may just suddenly feel, why am I feeling so afraid? Why am I feeling hurt while I'm feeling depressed? Why am I feeling, and we, and we wonder what that is. And, and, you know, sometimes we can't explain it. And the problem is if we don't deal with that the right way, then the enemy can quickly arrange another circumstance and try and link that emotion to it. And then you think, oh, I'm afraid of that. And that's not what it is. What you're sensing is the Holy Spirit calling you to prayer. And the Holy Spirit saying somebody's in danger. It could be your life. It could be a child, one of your children. It could be a colleague, a friend, somebody. And it could even be if God finds enough people that are prepared to pray, God, I don't care who it is. You call me to pray. I'll pray. Then somebody in China could be in danger, but God just needs an intercessor, and he knows he can move on you because you are a person who will move to prayer if he calls you. And so when he does that, as you sense that, you, you, you say at that moment, I, even if you're in a crowd or in a group or in a family, whatever, listen, I really sense a need to pray here. And we as a family will do that sometimes. We say there's a need to pray. We'll all pray together at that moment. Or I'll just separate and I'll say, I just need to go off and do some praying. It could be sometimes, has this ever happened to you? That you're busy sleeping and then all of a sudden you wake up. And you know it's not, I need to go to the toilet type wake up. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's like, boom. Why am I so wide awake? Just, and it's not like you came out of and realized you're awake. It's just that, vap, you're awake. What is that? And I learned, that is God. He needed me at that moment. And that's not where we turn over and say, oh, let me try sleep. Oh, let me see, maybe in the morning. No. Why did he wake me at this time? Because he needs me to pray right now. And I will immediately go to my study and I'll begin to pray and begin to intercede. Why? Because at that moment, somebody needs my intercession. And when you do that and you pray and you intercede, now God can move in your life and speak the words that are necessary to arrange for angels, for favor, for whatever's needed to save that person. And sometimes you may never ever find out what that was for. That's okay. I just need to pray. Now, how long do you pray? Until you feel the release. How long do you drink water? Till the thirst is gone. Sometimes you need a sip. Sometimes you need to drink a whole liter. Isn't that right? But you drink, drink, drink till you are no longer thirsty. So you pray, pray, pray till you sense safety, protection. You sense that peace. You realize that person, whoever it is, and it could have been your own life. You may not even know the danger that you prayed yourself out of. Something was going to happen on the way to work. And because you prayed, you won't even see it happen. Isn't that good news? And so the Holy Spirit is helping you ahead of time. 
So pray that prayer. You're praying for protection. You're praying for provision. If you need anything in your life, your business is struggling and is, is struggling and battling. Maybe you, you, you know, for some of us that may have lost our businesses, lost income, God is able to get that back to you. There is a promise from His Word that He makes that He will restore. This is the time to cry restoration. He said that if the thief is stolen, he'll restore it sevenfold over. Well, how's that going to happen? You think the devil's going to wake up one day and say, gee, I feel so bad for stealing. I need to give back seven times. No, you need to put that warrant out. You put that warrant out by praying in tongues. And God will arrange that that is provided and brought back to you. Hallelujah. Amen. Number two is that we use it for salvations. We can draw People to know Christ. We studied that last time where we saw that those that are unsaved, we all came from that place, was that our minds were covered with a veil so that we couldn't, even when somebody spoke the Bible to us, it sounded like gibberish. It, 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 you could hear the English words. I mean, before I was saved, how many of you have been to church, funerals, weddings and things like that, uh, even if you didn't go to actual church or maybe you decided to try church but you weren't born again and you could hear the guy speaking, it sounded like English but you didn't know what he was saying. How many of you ever been through that? You come out at the end of it and you think, well, then, okay, at least I went to church but you got no idea what the guy said. What is that? That's that veil that Satan has put on our minds so that we couldn't see even though we were seeing, we couldn't hear even though we were hearing. And yet when we're born again because somebody prayed for us, the only reason you saved today, this is an amazing thing. You might know who it is and you might not know. But the only reason you and I are saved today is because somebody was interceding and prayed in tongues. And because they prayed in tongues, God was able to remove that scale from our eyes, remove the veil from our minds, so that when the next person that he sent our way gave us the gospel, that seed could land and we could hear, believe, and speak. And when we said, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, you were born again and you were birthed. You were born into the kingdom of God. Who birthed you? That intercessor. He birthed you. Say that. When I was born again, I was birthed by the prayers of an intercessor. And we saw Isaiah 66 verse 8. As soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. So praying church brings forth Christians. Say that. A praying church brings forth Christians. A third reason that we can pray in tongues is that we can pray now that people are born again, those are now our disciples, those that we are leading in Christ, not leading to Christ anymore, but leading in Christ. We can pray for our disciples that they can grow up spiritually into maturity. We can pray for our disciples that they can grow up spiritually into maturity. Now, this is true for our own personal disciples, be they friends. It's also for our family. We can pray for family members and we can pray for ourselves to grow in maturity. Remember Paul said in Galatians chapter 4, we read this last week, verse 19, he says, my little children for whom I labor in birth again 
until Christ is formed in you. So last week we had a look at the scripture from the perspective of if he says he labors in birth again, means he already had, what is the first time was to birth you. So the first time he labored was to birth you as a child of God. That's when you were born again. Now he says, now that you're born again, I don't stop. I keep praying. And I labor in birth again. Now why are you praying for me, Paul? So that Christ is formed in you. Now Christ is not Jesus' surname. We're not talking about the person Jesus being formed in you. Once you're born again, Jesus is already complete. And so when he comes into your life, what's he talking about? Christ is talking about the anointed one. And so the anointed one is anointed one because of the anointing. Say this, Christ is the anointed one, and the anointed one is anointed because of the anointing. So whenever you see Christ, just translate that and meditate. So you say Christ, translated, the anointed one, and his anointing. So he says, I labor in birth again. Why? So that the anointed one and his anointing be formed in you. So that you can allow that anointing of Christ to develop your life. Paul's saying, my intense praying in the Spirit for you is like giving birth in the Spirit. My intense praying in the Spirit is like giving birth in the Spirit. So family of God, you understand from the language used is this is not, this is not just, I know we, we all, I pray all the time, I pray regularly, not all the time, but regularly, all the time through the day. But you know that sometimes when you pray, you might be busy with something and you're praying tongues, but that's not really laboring. How you know when a, when, a, when a woman goes into labor, they're not doing anything else. It's not like, you know, let's give birth to the baby, but I need to catch up with my series. <laughs> you, you notice that when they're in labor, uh, nothing else is being done at the moment. So, you know, this, you can pray in tongues while reading the paper, reading something else, reading this or listening to that, and, you know, have music playing. And, but when you talk about labor, it means you go into a place where it's, there's no social media. There's no every, anything else. There's no other people. There's no drifting. As I said, there's lots of other places one can pray. But if you're going to give yourself to laboring, that means I'm setting apart. And that's all I'm focusing on right now. And Paul says when we do that, we can mature and develop our disciples. Come on, get a hold of that. How many want to see your disciples grow? That's what we want to do is pray for them. Amen. Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. Paul again writing, he says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you now listen to this, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. He's praying, now notice when he says yeah, that he's laboring, he adds the word fervently. So again, you get the point that Paul is making an, an, an issue here, is that this is not just praying, everybody may pray. 
Everybody has a level of prayer. But he says about this man, Epaphras, that he labors fervently. This is a man, when he prays, you know it. He is praying in a way, and he says he is praying fervently. He puts effort into it. He puts time into it, and he puts uh, zeal into it. He puts passion into it. And he says when he does that, he is praying that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. Hallelujah. Say this. The intense groaning in fervent prayer gives birth to God's plan in my life and the lives of others. The intense groaning in fervent prayer gives birth to God's plan in my life and the lives of others. Family, how many of us want to see South Africa saved? then it's my responsibility. It's your responsibility. We understand. We can say, God, please save South Africa. And we can beg and cry and say, God, why hasn't God moved? Why hasn't God done something? When's God going to do it? He did. He did it 2,000 years on the cross. He opened the way that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The gates are wide open. Now all we need to do is go and call the people in. And if we want to see that kind of birth taking place, that kind of salvation, we need to be praying in the Spirit more than ever before. Hallelujah. How many of us have seen, maybe we're frustrated by disciples, leaders, maybe you're running a home cell and think, you know, why is my intern not coming to the party? How come? What's happening? And maybe there's a frustration with that person. They've been a Christian longer than I have. Well, then maybe you need to be praying for them. If you're sensing that frustration about a believer, how they, they should know Jesus. They should. Why don't they come to church? Why aren't they? Why aren't they? Instead of moaning about them, then get into the birthing room and go and pray for them again. Yeah, but I've already prayed for them. How much more must I pray? Again. Didn't Paul say, I pray, I labor for you again? And so never get frustrated with a disciple. That frustration should be turned into prayer. I understand getting frustrated because it's like, uh, you know, surely we should be further along by now. But how many of you have ever discovered that when you came to yourself, you realized you had strayed off and that you not as... Okay, not you, but I, we're talking about the you, the one you're going to give the CD to. And so when we talk about, you know, I know there are times when I realize I, I haven't been pulling my weight completely. But thank God somebody somewhere must have picked up on it because I didn't just wake up and think, i got to get back. No, someone was praying and interceding. And through that, the Holy Spirit could draw me back. Oh, thank you, Jesus. See why we need to be praying for one another. Praying for one another. I want you to know I have made a decision to pray for you every day. That's, that's my quality decision. I do that. But I hope you're praying for me. Because I need prayer as much as anybody else does. And so when we pray for one another, we're forming Christ in each other. Hallelujah. So that's for our church. It's for believers, for our nation, for whoever. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Now, verse 18 
Paul has just got through talking about the armor of God. We've looked at that in detail in the past. We will again in the future. I don't want to go there for time's sake. But you remember he, put on, he said, put on the whole armor of God, and which is with able to withstand the attack of the enemy. And he goes through the different parts of it. And then he gets down to verse 18. And he says, once that armor is in place, listen to this, praying, how often? How often? Always with, with, why does he say all prayer? Why doesn't he just say pray always with prayer? Again, there's different types of prayer. You see, you'll see it confirmed all the way through the word. So he says, now use whatever prayer arsenal you have available. Use it. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. How? In the Spirit. In the Spirit. Now we've already confirmed from the Word of God that praying in the Spirit is praying in tongues. Say that. Praying in the Spirit is praying in tongues. Remember, he said in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 15, I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with my understanding. So praying in the Spirit is praying with tongues. I just need to give one more scripture. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14. If I pray in a tongue, it's my spirit that prays. Say that. When I pray in a tongue, it's my spirit that prays. Now, Paul is telling me. Now, Paul is telling me to pray always in the spirit, which means by his own definition is praying in tongues. So he says, yeah, pray with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, praying in tongues, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for how many? For all the saints. That's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. All right. So we're praying for how many? All the saints. All the saints. Everybody say all the saints. So we realize that we need to be praying for the church as well, not just for ourselves. Hallelujah. Now, what happens if we say, well, I don't really know what to pray for. I mean, I, you want me to pray for Joe Soap, but I don't know what he needs. And some people come and say, Pastor Alan, just tell us what we need to pray for. We'll pray for you. I said, you don't need to know. Just pray. We don't always know. In fact, we don't know. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. How readest thou? What does Paul say? We do not know what to pray for. Say this. Paul says, I never know what to pray for. Now, someone may say, I, I, but I know I need a job. I know I need to pray for a job. I know I need to pray for my, my debt. I know I need to pray. Yeah, we know what we want. So I need that job. But for me to get it, the people that need to be in the right place, the right timing, the right favor, I don't know what God's going to do to get me that. 
I don't know what I should preach. You see, I could say, well, you know, I need a million rand. I, I know what to pray for. I need a million rand. But how, what you're going to do, do you, do, do you want that to come through a tax return? Did you earn enough? Did you pay enough tax to get a tax return? You know, maybe you want it as an inheritance. So someone has to die for you to get it. Or, or maybe you, you want it as, you know, someone will just walk up and give you a million rand. You need some really good friends. You know, you're, uh, you don't know how to get that million rand to you. But God does. God does. So he says, yeah, this is our weakness. We don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. How? With groanings which cannot be uttered. What's that talking about? That's, that's praying in tongues. See, family God, that's that laboring, that praying, that yearning, that you, it's not English words, it's not your home language. It's groanings that cannot be uttered. And he says here, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. According to the will of God. Now, notice when it says there, he who searches the hearts, that first he is in a capital H, which makes it sound like it's the Holy Spirit. Now, when I first studied this and my pastor pointed out to me, I realized, you know, when it says that he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. If we talk about the Holy Spirit, yeah, it sounds like when the Holy Spirit searches his heart, now he knows what his mind is. That doesn't make sense because surely the Holy Spirit already knows his mind. He doesn't have to find out what his mind is. So what are we talking about here? Well, if you have a look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27 says, The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Your spirit searches out your heart. Now, where's the Holy Spirit dwell? Within your spirit. So when you pray in tongues, your spirit is searching out the heart of the Holy Spirit. So you, when you pray in tongues, are saying exactly what the Holy Spirit is thinking. The Holy Spirit is giving you His thoughts. And as you pray in tongues, you're praying His thoughts. Now, what are His thoughts? It says that when you pray, you're praying the will of God. Didn't Jesus say that when he went, he would send the Holy Spirit and he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will tell you. So what's he hearing? The Word of God tells us that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. So Jesus is praying for you. How do you know he knows what to pray? How you believe Jesus would pray the perfect prayer? And so he is praying to the Father. The Holy Spirit is hearing that. And what he hears, he reveals in your heart. And instead of you trying to figure out in English what he's saying, because we will mess it up with our doubt, unbelief, and bad doctrine, we just rather speak in tongues we are literally saying exactly through our mouth what Jesus said to the Father. 
Come on, give Jesus praise. Why would you even try to pray in English? We can rev up and warm up in English and say, this is where we're going. But that, that moment, give it to Him. And let Him pray the perfect prayer through you. Hallelujah. And when we do that, once we do that, the Holy Spirit praying through me, and then He answers His own prayer and brings His prayer to pass. Say this, if I don't know what to pray for, that's okay. The Holy Spirit does. And when I pray in the Spirit, He fixes everything. Is that good news? Now you get to the and, verse 28. And, in other words, Paul says, I'm not talk, done talking about tongues yet. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. See, very often people will use that scripture. It doesn't matter what happens. Something goes, something just gets destroyed. And then they'll turn around and say, well, you know, all things work together for good. That's not what that scripture says. That's, that's pulled out of context. It says, and all things. What all things? When you've, what he's just described. And is a conjunction. I'm not finished speaking. So he's saying, now when you pray in other tongues, we don't know what we need to pray for, but the Holy Spirit does. When you make intercession, when you're praying in groanings, then he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit, because he's praying according to the will of God. And these things, all those things, work together for the good. Hallelujah. So when you're praying in tongues, that's when all things work together for good. Say that, when I pray in tongues, everything works out together for my good. Say this, when I pray in tongues, God fixes everything. Is that good news? So when someone says, I, I just don't know what to do. Exactly, yeah. Start praying. Start praying in tongues. That is a call to pray in tongues. When you feel at your most useless, that's a time to start praying in tongues. Not a time to worry or cry. I understand worrying and crying. I've been there, but I found this is way more perfect. How many believe Paul was very successful in what he did? I mean, he was used by God to pen Almost two-thirds of the New Testament. God revealing great revelation to him. Planting churches everywhere. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 10. By the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored. I labored more abundantly than they all. By his own terminology we understand that laboring talks about praying in other tongues. He says, I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was within me. Paul wasn't successful by accident. It wasn't just God decided to use Paul and, well, you know, he's just a different type of character. No, he said, the reason I, made, I was so successful is because I labored more than anyone else. In fact, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, he says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. 
He was teaching them about using tongues correctly and accurately and not to abuse it. And he implies he doesn't want them to stop praying because he's saying, in fact, I pray in tongues more than you all. He realized where his success was. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6, he says, Rejoice always. Listen to verse 17. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. That's the next verse. Do not quench the Spirit. See, family God, when I saw that, that, was, that, that settled it for me. Never again do I question whether praying in tongues is right or not. I've made a decision. This is the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to quench it. Also, when I have an unction to pray, I'm going to go and pray. Because I don't want to quench it. I want to be open and have, let the Holy Spirit have access to me at any time. And family God, when you develop that kind of lifestyle, where prayer is your first priority. Amen. Someone will say, we really got to pray here. And someone says, has it come to that? It's like, that's, that's the last resort. No, we start with prayer. Family God, I want to encourage you. Make it a daily thing. Every day. Set time aside to pray fervently. That we can see ourselves and the church mature in Christ. And as we do, we'll be praying God's perfect will. And His plan will be mapped out before us. And without even realizing it, things will begin to fall into line. You'll find favor where you go. Meet people you never expected. Things will turn out right. Things that you thought were broken somehow fix themselves. No, God arranged that. Because you prayed in the Spirit. Hallelujah. You get something today? Come on, let's give out Jesus praise. Let's stand together. Lay your hand on your heart and say this. Today I've heard the word of God. That word brought faith to my heart. And I am a believer, not a doubter. And as a hearer of the word, I'm also a doer. From this day on, I choose to set time aside every day to pray, to labor fervently in prayer. And as I do, I'm birthing the church. The disciples are maturing. My life is growing. I am maturing in Christ. And as I do, Christ is formed in me. Christ is formed in my disciples. The whole church grows, matures, increases, and we see transformation taking place in our society. God sets a perfect path before me. He fixes everything, and I am saved. I am blessed, prosperous, Successful so that others 
can see my life and I can give the gospel to others and lead others to Jesus and the church continues to grow and increase in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give Jesus praise and glory.